Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best founders and investors to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today's guest is a very special one. His name is Adrien, or Adrian, uh, depending on where you are coming from, and uh, is the president of Endeavor. Adrien, welcome to the show. Oh, Mike, thanks, thanks. Thanks to you and thanks for having me. It's it's really a pleasure, and uh, let's start to to get to know more uh, about you and why this joke with Adrien and Adrian. <laughs> I, I guess the joke comes because of my, my background. I mean, I have parents that are uh, one is American, one is Spanish. So uh, I, I, I didn't know up, that. Okay, I grew up with both. I being being called both names. So Adrian and Adrian, as I said, if you if you're on the street and you call both names, I will turn around with both names. <laughs> exactly. But tell tell me more about your story and how you ended uh, joining uh, Endeavor. Perfect. So uh, let's see. Um, well, I I, I started. Uh, I, I can I can go back in time to to the to the back in the Stone Age. But uh, I I started. <laughs> no, I, I studied political science with conviction because I I I thought of policy and think, thinking about ways of having an impact in society. You know. Um, but uh, worked in that very early on in my university years, became very disillusioned, and I went into finance because I think that we all have to do that. So I went into finance, worked there for a couple of years, uh, realized that was not my thing, still wanted to figure out what that impact could be, and I ended up joining uh, the, the foreign trade department in Spain. I did the exam, passed the exam, did that. That's what actually got me to the U.S. Um, I lived in the, in the U.S. Uh, working at the Spanish Chamber of Commerce for a while, and after that, I decided that I wanted to stay in the U.S. and I started looking for for a job here. And uh, and I guess that my career really started there. Um, being in New York, I was able to find a job at the Economist, uh, the Economist newspaper group, and I was very very lucky to have amazing boss bosses, a boss mm -hmm. and several bosses after that uh, that bet on me and and helped me help me grow and help me you know develop a career. Uh, so I did that for a, a bit over four five years. And then uh, I very seamlessly kind of got a call to, to, to set up the communications team for Latin America at uh, JP Morgan. And it was kind of like an easy transition. It seems like it has nothing to do, but it was a very easy transition because it was uh, a bunch of the same people that I was working with at The Economist, uh, media journalists, mm -hmm. et cetera. But I was just doing it now from the corporate side. So, so uh, it, was, uh, it was fairly easy because it was... Uh, doing a different angle, but doing very much the same and absolutely loved right. working at JP Morgan. So I was back, back to finance, but I, which I said I wouldn't do, but it was a very different area of finance. Um, okay. Loved it again, was very lucky with the buses that I had um, and uh, was loving every minute of it, doing what I really thought I, I, I did best. And I got a call uh, if I wanted to, to join Endeavor. Um, Endeavor had been an organization that I'd been exposed to for, for many years. But uh -huh. uh, but I'd never really thought about joining the organization this way. And uh, they were about to launch an office in Spain. So they called me. Uh, they were going to launch the office. Um, at the beginning, I was kind of like reluctant. But then I, I immediately I, I immediately uh, grabbed onto the opportunity. Uh, and at the time, you were in New York, uh, not and in, at the time, in Madrid. That's right. At the time I was in New York, it actually meant relocating to Spain, which was actually the, the, the reason why I was kind of reluctant. No, so it, it's, uh, it was one of those things of it. It was... 11 years in the US, I had to move back. But right. I always thought that if I wanted to move back, I wanted to move back to something that had an impact. So, uh, and, and I, I truly believed in what I'd seen with the model of Endeavor. And sure enough, I, I, I'm so glad that I did it because I, I got to live in Spain for five years. I got to see the impact that Endeavor can have in, a, in an ecosystem. And five years into that job, I got a call from Global to, if I wanted to come in and, and, and take the current position as president. And that's what I've been doing for practically four years now. Uh, and uh, that's where, and that's where that was, that actually also meant me being back to New York. So I had to move back to New York. So it's always been, it's been a back and forth and New York, Madrid, Madrid, New York, New York, Madrid, and now New York. Exactly. <laughs> and amazing story because you, you had very early on an angle of understanding the European markets, also understanding the U S market and the Latin market, given your, uh, your role in one of those financial uh, institutions uh so also a global outlook uh about what was going on in the in the different markets that you get you ready to to lead a global organization uh as as endeavor so it's incredible as we were discussing before the show uh i know the brand for a very long time but i would never imagine that it's it's endeavor already is 25 years. I always like to share Skillet Valley will will turn 10 in, in Jen. And I will say at the time, there was very few content available about scaling up. So it was all about starting up. So I imagine 25 years 
ago, not 10 years ago. It was really a pioneer, uh, super ad of uh, of its time. But for the ones who didn't have the pleasure yet to get in touch with, with Endeavor, if you could just get, give us an overview about what Endeavor is, the mission, the vision, et cetera, that would be sure. great. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, right now, everyone talks about entrepreneurship and, and scale up, and, and we understand this concept. But the, the reality is that... Uh, Linda Rotenberg and Peter Kellner were the co-founders of Endeavor, were true visionaries when they when they started this. And, and imagine starting this in an emerging market when people were not really talking about entrepreneurship. I mean, that's that, point. Emerging, right. <laughs> so they were starting an emerging market speaking about entrepreneurship. Uh, it was, it was, I, I, I can't imagine those conversations being easy. You know, I mean, and, and the challenges that they must have faced in the early days. Again, I only joined nine years ago, which which seems like a lot, but actually. This, the, the brand was already set, that the, 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 the fundamentals were already there, the processes were already established, no? But the first few years must have been mm-hmm. quite amazing to, to have, have the conversation. But to be able to, to explain in a nutshell what, what, we do, what we are, what we do, we're, we're a nonprofit that focuses on selecting what we call high-impact entrepreneurs. So to your point of, of what, you, what you covered in Scale Up Valley, we're about scale-ups yeah. as well. So that's what we're selecting. Yeah. We're not selecting startups, we're selecting scale-ups. And those scale-ups are, are companies that are, that, that, are, that are at the growth stage, they're an inflection point, and that's where we, we can really make a difference. Uh, and them. The, re- the reason why we choose these companies and the reason why we do what we do is because we truly believe, we don't only believe, we actually know with data that the entrepreneurs that we're supporting are the ones that are actually going to be strengthening and building uh, the, the, the ecosystems, uh, and, and not only that, the ecosystems and the economy of those local ecosystems in which we operate. No? Um, and the reality is that it's much deeper than what we think about or what we see at the early stages. I mean, when we analyze entrepreneurs, we could go the easy route and think about direct and indirect jobs that they're creating. And that's, it's fine. It's measurable. It has an impact and it's, it, and it's amazing. You know, and the wealth is being created. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But there's a, there's a second tier, which is much more impactful, which is the multiplier effect, which is the influence that the entrepreneurs have in their ecosystems. And it's much broader. So you, you might have a, a company that's formed, an entrepreneur sorry, that's formed a company that becomes a unicorn. And that's amazing. But at the mm-hmm. same time, that entrepreneur has actually set up a team. That team has actually seen entrepreneurship from day, from day one. They decide they also want to become entrepreneurs when they have the a liquidity event or some kind of the mafia effects. Exactly. Uh, when they have a liquidity event, they start investing in their next generation. They have been they are entrepreneurs themselves, so they're mentoring the next generation. And also, they become these role models, these public figures that are speaking at different conferences, that are being interviewed. Right. That inspires the next generation. That's like, if this guy from this place with this background could do it, so can I. You know, and that multiplier effect becomes much more broad. No? So it's not only the direct impact the company has, but it's that multiplier that the companies have. So to the mafia that you're saying, it think of the PayPal, the PayPal case and the PayPal mafia, no? Everything right. that they no? And, and it's incredible. We already see this effect in, in emerging markets in, I would say, even in the first or second generations, uh, a little bit behind the ecosystems like the, the US or Silicon Valley or even New York. But already having the first and the second generation uh, coming into business, it's amazing to see uh, the, the multiplier effect that you were uh, talking about. It's uh, for the ones who, who are passionate about ecosystem building like 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 ourselves. Uh, it's it's really uh, great to see. <laughs> it's fascinating. The only thing that we have to notice is it does take time. This is not something that's done overnight. I mean, you say right. entrepreneurs, you support the entrepreneurs, you, 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 you walk with them along, along the way. And as you walk with them, certain parts of that multiplier journey uh, become reality. So their teams, someone, their, a key person, their team leaves and sets up a company. And then it's 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 a journey. No, it takes it takes it could take a decade. No, you're not going to see the multiplier effect, or maybe five years, but you're not going to see the multiplier effect overnight. No. So we have yeah. a data team that does all the analysis of that of, of, of the data that we have, and and also a lot of a lot, a lot of uh, interviewing uh, the ecosystems, and we're able to actually map the multiplier effect. No. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And something that is also quite amazing is the evolution of the geographical footprint of uh, of Endeavor. Can you kind of walk us through what has been kind of the evolution? Now Endeavor is almost everywhere or globally, even in emerging markets within developed markets like second tier or third tier cities in, in the US, in some regions of, of Europe uh, as well. But better than me, uh, you, you can share with, uh, with the audience uh, what has been that evolution. So not everywhere yet, uh, but but yes, definitely we have a, 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 a large footprint. No, uh, we're now in 41 markets. And uh, when we say markets to, to, your, to what you're mentioning of the second or third tier cities in the US, we do have some uh, 
uh, some uh, clusters in the U.S. in which we're also present. So we, we have an office in Louisville, in Detroit, in uh, in, in Buffalo, uh, in uh, Arkansas. So we have we have different presence in within the U.S. Um, and then the rest of the markets that we have are either what we call emerging markets or economies in crisis. Now, so think of countries like Spain, uh, in which there's a there's a huge there's a huge gap. There's a there's a there's a huge unemployment uh, situation right now. So we're we're always looking for for companies in which we can actually bridge that divide. Um, and figure out how we can actually bring a bit of, of the, in essence, bring a bit of the Silicon Valley model to the markets in which we're operating, you know, and bringing the connections yeah. and the network effects and all of that, you know? uh, But as of today, it started in, in, in Latin America. This was 25 years ago. So the first countries that we started in are Chile and Argentina, Argentina and Chile, depending on who you speak with. Um, and right. we expanded obviously first into Latin America, <laughs> then to Africa, then Southeast Asia, then Europe, Middle East. So it's been a, it's been a gradual expansion to get to where we are today. As And as you said, in the US, and we just recently also opened a year, a year, a year ago, a year and a bit ago, we actually opened up, up in, in Canada. So we actually have present in North America, Latin America, um, Europe, mainly Southern Europe and uh, Eastern Europe and Ireland as well. Uh, we have uh, in Africa, we have the Maghreb region on the one side. So we have present in Algiers and Morocco. And then we have Sub-Saharan Africa. We have Middle East. And then we have Asia with a focus mainly on, on, on APEC. But we also have just opened up uh, Pakistan. No? So we have South, South Asia and then we have Southeast Asia too. Love it. And something that just came came up to, to mind when, when you were speaking uh, of course, and that's the purpose of a nonprofit. We, you want uh, the nonprofit to not be uh, to, to not be needed to exist in in the future. I think that by definition, of course, there are always so many problems to solve that this this day will never come. But uh, I would say the dream when we start a nonprofit is to come to a moment that uh, the nonprofit doesn't need to exist uh, anymore because the ecosystems have evolved and, and now they are at the state of the art. I know that this is kind of an utopia. There is always uh, so much to do, but I, I was just thinking about Spain, the example that uh, that we were talking about. And definitely now Madrid and Barcelona are across the top 10 um, apps in Europe uh, with, with more uh, investment um, in, in startups uh, in, in different cycles. When it happens, you start focusing yourself more in other ecosystems, or you keep doubling down on the ecosystems that matured with your impact. Um, what 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 is your thought process yeah. about about that? You're absolutely right. We we always want to we always want to analyze the market and think is our job done. But I think I always think that there's always a job to be done. No, I mean it is true that you might see like you just mentioned in Spain, you might see these big hubs of of uh, Madrid and Barcelona. No, but are we are we tackling the hubs only in certain verticals? Are there other verticals that we could tackle? No, so that's the first thing. Looking into the verticals. No, and then yeah. within the hubs. Are we always only attacking those hubs, or are there other hubs? Because we have noticed that there are other hubs. I mean, we have in southern in southern Spain, you have you have a hub in Malaga, you have Seville. Uh, in, in northern Spain, you have the Basque region. Uh, you also have you you, you have uh, in in the coastal area, you also have, have Valencia. No, uh, so we do have those these little other poles of entrepreneurship no and i think that we also have to double down on on those it's not only focusing on the main hubs but the other things we we have some very surprising and impressive uh and successful cases in spain in particular which i know well in in cities that you would never think of now that you would never imagine that you have a successful tech entrepreneur coming from a city that is not really uh, in, in 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 any tech map no so so i think that we always we always find a way in which we can fine-tune our, our mission and double down in the countries in which we operate. Do you have any insights about why uh, did Endeavor decided to start with, with LATAM? It was because it was closer in the same, the same time zone of, of the US. Um, any any insights on why LATAM to, to start? This is just a curiosity. Yeah. For... It would be a great interview question for, for our founders. Uh, I, I've, I've heard the story, I've read the book, and I, I know them well, yeah. and I speak, and I, and I I work them uh, with 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 Linda uh, intensely, but but it, it still doesn't mean that I know the story as well as they as they do. But uh, but to what I've to, to the extent of what I know, um, the reality is that they she actually moved um, to to Argentina, and she was trying to figure out this way in which there were people that were 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 knowledgeable of entrepreneurship, knowledgeable in tech, and she wanted to figure out a way in which those people could actually thrive and become these successful entrepreneurs. Right. The same way that she was seeing it in her home, her home country, no. So she saw this right. in the U.S. happening, but she didn't see it in in Latam. So she was by chance in Buenos Aires when that that happened, um, and that's when she realized 
there is a model here, no? And if you fast forward a few months, or you, she actually selected the first few, the, the first Indian entrepreneur, and it was a very successful uh, story from, uh, well, it's with this Casares of Patagon.com, no? Which is a very successful mm -hmm. um, um, fintech uh, story in, in Latin America, but he was one of our first Endeavor entrepreneurs, no? So it was actually mm -hmm. trying to figure out how can we bridge that gap? How can we actually bring the connections and, and bring the resources so that right entrepreneurs can actually also scale their companies internationally? This became a, a huge successful case, and, and he ended up selling patagon.com to, to Santander uh, before the dot-com uh, bubble. Uh, but it was like the, the, the precursor of, of what was to come. And that was like the thought of why we took it to, to other markets. But the reality is that they were present in, in those markets. That's, they were active in those markets. That's where they saw the, the first activity. Um, and that's why we launched in um, Argentina and in um, and Chile, you know. And that right. and also for that reason, you see that the initial expansion is within LATAM. But that's when mm -hmm. we realized this model is very easily replicable in other places. You know, at the it's beginning, scalable. like it's, it's scalable. Exactly. <laughs> but it seemed that this is a model. Is this a model that only works in Argentina? No, it works in Argentina and Chile. Is this a model that only works in two markets? No, it actually works across the region. Is this a model that only works in the region? No, it works worldwide. No, and if you look yeah. at worldwide, then you say. Is it a model that only works in emerging markets? No, it also works in, in economies in crisis. No, that's where we're going to Greece. To that Spain. is a mess. No, so it's always figuring out how to scale this model. No, exactly, and uh, scaling also the exponential uh, impacts on on the different uh, ecosystems and kind of creating a world where whenever you are, wherever you are, uh, you can build a, a great company. You have the resources and the, and the option to build it. Now it's in on your grid and the, the, the play field is kind of leveled uh, for, for everybody in, in the planet. So again, I think that's, there is a lot to, to do in, in that regard. Right? And as you said, that that's what Linda saw when looking, moving into Argentina or, or Chile, as there is this discussion, as you were saying, and these are entrepreneurs like like the ones I see in in the US, and there is no reason why they are not able to to build great companies if if they have the same context, right? And it's it's exactly your point of what you're mentioning of, of leveling the playing field. I mean, that's the, the the essence of what Endeavor wants to do is exactly that. No, it's kind of like focus on your company. We have the network. <laughs> Exactly. Love it. And the network is quite amazing. I think that's something that is quite inspirational. As you said, there is, I think that the first time that I, that I get to know about Endeavor was a TED talk uh, gave by Linda. Uh, not sure how many years ago I, I again, I, I saw it. And then we, you were able to, and she was already able to attract at that time, very influential people around her cause, the mission, the vision. So she was very vocal and, and very visionary. And nowadays there is, there are people on your board, like Reid Hoffman from, from LinkedIn. Uh, not sure if you want to, to add other names uh, that are in the network today at, at Endeavor. Yeah, well, and, and our global board is, I mean, you have, you have Reed, you have Nick Bain, you have Matt Harris, you have Javier Livan, uh, Guillaume Poussas, uh, Nicolas Ecasi. I mean, really, the board is amazing. I'm not going to say more names because I'm going to leave more people. And <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna get sure. But any anyone from the board is amazing and impressive and 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 adds so much value. Conversation is, is eye-opening. No, plus... They're also very well connected. So if you need anything, they can. They're always one degree or two degrees away from from some of them in connection. But if you take that to the local level as well, we our local boards are just as impressive. I mean, it's normally it's the key business leaders from a, from an exactly. ecosystem. It's a, the key entrepreneurial players, the entrepreneurs themselves as well, part of the of the ecosystem as well. So you have the most relevant figures in each ecosystem that are part of our of our board. So we have roughly, um, roughly, I'm saying 400 board members. We have roughly 3,000 wow. vendors in our base and uh, roughly 5,000 entrepreneurs. No, so it is a it's a network of close to 10,000 people um, that are just dedicated to, to. We can actually leverage for for um, for this. And then to the dedication of the people, we have 500 employees worldwide. So be able to be able to provide those connections, we have 500 full-time employees that are actually making all of this possible. All these connections. Quite, possible. quite impressive. And uh, there is also something that it seems that was created some years ago, but it already has 10 years, which is the fund, the Endeavor uh, Catalyst. Would you like to share more uh, with entrepreneurs about, about the fund? Yeah, so, so you were mentioning that that the dream of a, of a fund is is to become uh, superfluous after of a fund, sorry, of a nonprofit is to become superfluous after a time. No, so you're you're setting exactly. it up hoping to be able to solve the problem. Uh, and, and, At and least that, I, I I was passionate about the nonprofit world, and I read that book from Peter Drucker, managing nonprofits 
organizations and was kind of the Bible at the time. I was even thinking uh, I want to run a nonprofit. Uh, so it, 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 it's, uh, I ended not um, running any nonprofit in my time, unless we consider Scalable as a, as a nonprofit. In a certain way, I think it's also a, a great effort for, for the benefit of, of, of the ecosystem. But um, anyway, I, I was referring to to that to that book. But you were yeah. saying yeah. no, no. But but the reason I, I was bringing it up because uh, in in the, the end goal is definitely to become you know irrelevant because you, the, the problems have been solved. Exactly. You know? and that's and that's the, the essence. But obviously, to be able to 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 to, to fund that, you need funding. No. Um, so part of the dream of of this is is not only how does a nonprofit either eradicate the problem as a whole. And if they can't eradicate the problem, at least become self-sustaining so they can actually address the problem for exactly. a longer period. No, so it's either becoming self-sustaining or solving the problem. No, in the ideal world, you solve the problem. There's no problem, and that's it. So, <laughs> in this case, uh, it's a problem that's going to be solved in different ecosystems at any time. So we, we feel that's going to be a problem that I don't think that our mission will ever be completely done per se. I mean, there's always going to be new markets in which we can we can, we can can uh, develop. But the one thing is, how do you fund this now? So, um, so that's when Endeavor Catalyst came along. So for the first 15 years, as you said, 25 years of operating Endeavor, for the first 15 years, we operated Endeavor as the nonprofit that it is. Um, but we were not thinking about any other sources of revenue except for the traditional ones. So we're funding and doing a gala and getting donations and grants and all of that. No, but uh, 10 years ago, came up with the idea of, and this is prior to my time. So when I say we, I'm speaking of the general, we, it was Endeavor that came up with the idea um, of of setting up a a, a fund. And the reality of the fund is that the fund's mission would be to make us self-sustaining in the long term. No, Um, And with that in mind, what we did is we analyzed what the portfolio of Endeavor entrepreneurs could be if we would have set up a fund prior to the, the year that we launched it, no, and we realized that we could have actually picked some of the most successful companies. No, we had companies that had IPO, that had exited, that had, and there were meaningful events. Uh, and then again, of course, we were very happy for the entrepreneurs. We were very happy for the story, but it didn't really impact our bottom line. No, so what we did is we put we kind of put our money where our mouth is, and we decided, wait, why don't we set up a fund? But if we set up a fund, we need to set up a fund that can't be conflicting with what we're doing. So we, right. we need. Still respecting the mission. So what we did is we set up Endeavor Catalyst, which is a co-investing tool that operates in parallel to uh, to to Endeavor. It, it exists for of, uh, it, it exists essentially for Endeavor, no, it, it be, and because of Endeavor, no. But it's it's yep. gener- it's uh, it's uh, it's generating its pipeline through the Endeavor portfolio. So we select entrepreneurs as a nonprofit. They go through the process. They become selected, and once they're selected, if they raise uh, um, a five million dollar round, and if it's led by an institutional investor, we will automatically co-invest a part of the. One part of the round, no. Uh, so an endeavor entrepreneur, institutional investment led, and five million plus round, no, and a, a series of other small fund. But the, the the reality is that it's a rules based fund. We don't want to be negotiating in front, uh, with with the entrepreneur. We don't want to sit on their board unless the entrepreneur really wants us to. So basically, what we do is we set this up in a way in which it doesn't generate any conflict with uh with any of our of our entrepreneurs. And the same way, even if we're selecting entrepreneurs that are competing against each other. Since we're rules-based, we might be invested in seven or eight different competitors. We're not about the sector. We're not about the sector. We're not about. The, we're about the entrepreneur. No, so we will. We will always uh, abide by our rules. And it's interesting because this was launched ten years ago, and we slowly see that the dream is 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 working. No, and I think yeah. we're quite sure if we look at at metrics and we look at portfolio and we look at at, at how it's performed that this dream will be a reality in the, the next few years. I mean, we have an objective in which in the next six, seven years, uh, 50% of our budget would be covered by the returns of our of our fund. No? And uh, and hopefully that will be so. You'll have the ups and downs of markets as, as always, right. but generally speaking, we should be able to be a, the first self-sustaining nonprofit. Fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, just a, a, an analogy or a parallelism uh, in, a, in a certain way and uh, a very different scale. It's, it's a, I like to say that. So if we had, would have exchanged all the services that um, Scale-Up leaders have paid to Scale-Up Valley, we would be financially free uh, at the moment, given the entrepreneurs that we supported along the way. So it's curious being, being a for-profit and in the case of Endeavor, uh, a non-profit, how the same rationale works. <laughs> you should see, I mean, you've been doing this for nine years. I mean, you should see your own multiplier effect. I'm sure that it's also, it's also big. Correct. <laughs> Correct. We're at different scales, but uh, but definitely curious to, to learn from. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Awesome. And uh, 
we didn't discuss uh, something important when we, we talk about the fund, which is the, um, the thesis. So again, it's about scaling up in, in emerging markets. Any considerations on, on the thesis when Endeavor Catalyst invests? So, so we're sector agnostic. Uh, again, we wanted to create um, uh, a, an arm that wouldn't uh, conflict with anything that we're doing right. on the profit side. So we, we, what we do, we respect the selection process and the criteria for, for selecting the entrepreneurs, uh, sector agnostic from all the regions, et cetera. If they meet the marks, they will out, we will automatically uh, invest. Got it. So when, when you say they meet the marks, is they, they are classified kind of as a, as a skill-up uh, and, and then they are eligible to be an Endeavor member. And so they are eligible to be invested by the fund. That, that's kind of so, the rational. So yeah. Explaining it in, 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 in our terms is we need to select them as an Endeavor entrepreneur. The selection process can last anywhere between nine months to two years. So they have to go right. through the process of selection. Once they're selection, then selected, if they meet the, the criteria, they automatically um, investment will kick in. Got it. And this is, this might be also a question that a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to us might might have in their minds, which is, how do we apply to Endeavor? Are we invited to apply? How does that that process? Uh, uh, how does that work? <laughs> so it's it's interesting. I mean, so in our marketing, we've been present for a longer time. We do have entrepreneurs coming to us and and applying and 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 proactively reaching out. In markets in which we're just opening or we have a, a, a lesser presence, uh, we're still behind the, the entrepreneurs and we're still going to the ecosystem events and figuring it out but i we're always delighted to be able to to welcome entrepreneurs so uh, we're always finding we're always trying to look for those scale-ups that are at the ex exact time in which we can actually bring up make it make a difference or we're, we're bringing our, our value in that inflection mm -hmm. point so i'd say that if you're located in one of the 41 markets in which we're present please reach out to one of your markets or, or reach out to us or reach out to anyone myself included and we'll always be gladly to to be able to bridge that bridge that gap but, but we, we 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 always find that we have fascinating entrepreneurs all over the world and we also are not only constrained by our geography our, our geographical location which means that we do cover certain areas from certain countries so for example we do cover the broader maghreb from morocco and, and, and algeria so but so we and, and tunisia sorry um so we do have our offices there they're actually covering um that are covering the the the, the, broader, the broader region no and the same thing would happen with with uh, eastern european offices so we, we we could have a croatian entrepreneur coming through through bulgaria for example no and then we have another uh, another turn of that which would be the, the diasporas no so we'd, we'd have entrepreneurs that are from a country but they left and emigrated instead of the company right. in another country no so we have and and, and, the, and the most known diasporas might be the lebanese the puerto rican or the greek but we have diasporas all over the world for all, all the countries so exactly. we do have a lot of the entrepreneurs that we actually try to bring to the table as uh, as diaspora entrepreneurs because they also have a huge impact in their local uh, ecosystems so we try to also reconnect them with their local ecosystems Something that, that it's quite amazing, and I see that you are quite active sharing the different stories of of the of the community all over the world. So I think that you are almost every single day you you share something about about the community in different parts of the world, um, and you are in a very privileged position to be able to see so many great entrepreneurs, so many great startups solving amazing problems for for society all over the world and be able to see that impact and get to know different people, different uh, startups, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always new uh, every single day on, on your share. So what are some of the trends that you see? What are some of the stories that you'd like to highlight, uh, both in emerging markets and also in, always in emerging markets, but in emerging markets within emerging regions and in emerging markets within um, consider kind of more developed regions that I don't like the expression, but I don't have a better one. <laughs> so it's interesting what you mentioned. Uh, yes. So I've been working at there for nine years now. Uh, I've been I've been at my current role for the last four. And the one thing I realized is the visibility of the things that we were seeing. And it was just impressive for me that it seemed, it seemed, I didn't have a, I didn't have a thesis back then, but it seemed that there was something exciting going on every day in one of our endeavor markets. Um, and sure enough, I decided I was going to start posting things on LinkedIn just to be able to celebrate the successes that we were having in our different markets. And two years later, I've realized that yes, there is something exciting going on every day. Every day, there's something to announce. There is an operate, there's an MA operation, there is a, 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 an IPO, there's a, 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 there's a round, there's someone that's been highlighted, there's the entrepreneur of the year for summer. So 
there's always something meaningful going on in one of our markets, no? Um, and it's it's just been impressive to see that there's just so much activity going on. And sometimes I have to pick and choose because I mean, there's so much going on that I have to pick what's the one story that I can focus on, no? Uh, right. Because there's always there's there, there are days in which we have two or three, no? Um, so that's that's the fascinating part, of course, being uh, being present in. In 41 markets and all the years that we've been present we have a huge community of um of entrepreneurs as far as uh, as trends go i mean it's been it's been very interesting to see i mean um everyone is now very gloomy about where the economy is and where it's heading and, and what's happening but right. we have noticed that some of the best entrepreneurs and this is historical data but but some of the best entrepreneurs come from these uh periods of crisis and then we have still seen to date some amazing entrepreneurs still doing amazing things and still being able so if you have an amazing idea and an amazing team and you're up to, you're still going to be able to get funding. I mean, so so great great uh, companies are still right. still funded. No, so we haven't seen a lack of funding activity in some of our markets, and it's impressive because our, our markets are essentially emerging markets. So you would think, oh, if any market were to suffer first, it would be the emerging markets, and it, and it might be the case. But what we're seeing from our entrepreneurs is that they're actually still being able to to attract uh, attract the, the capital. No, obviously not the same. It's not the same pace, different different valuations, etc. But great ideas are still are still being funded. And then the other thing as far as trends go, um, we have seen an emergence in the last few months of a lot of great, uh, a great software companies, like, like local software companies that have, that have emerged. Mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of them from our different, our different uh, affiliates have, have brought uh, have brought here. Uh, and then we have actually, obviously, seen a lot of uh, clean tech and uh, and climate tech companies as well. So we're seeing, slowly seeing more and more of those. I, I'm I'm assuming that we'll have an ample portfolio of those in, right. in years to come. No, so those are the trends. And then from a geography perspective. I hate to identify geographies because I always think that if I'm identifying one, I'm missing out on the other. No, <laughs> we have 41. It's like having 41 children that you all love them the same. But I have been very, very impressed by the quality of some of the entrepreneurs that we've been seeing in, in some of in some of our markets. I mean, I'm impressed by some of the things I'm seeing in Viet, out of Vietnam, just because you don't expect it, but you see some amazing quality in very diverse sectors uh, in Vietnam. There's obviously right. a lot of appetite and luck going on in Mexico, so that's definitely an exciting market. I, and I think I, I think I'm stating the obvious in, in the Mexican case now. Um, mm -hmm. But but then it's also exciting to see what's going on in the Middle East. I mean, there's also exactly. there's, there's no lack of of stories. And if you look at my 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 feed, the last few last month or two there's a lot of middle eastern stories a lot of great middle eastern stories and you think middle east wow well, yes you have some amazing amazing tech companies coming from lebanon jordan egypt uh uae saudi it's 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 really it's uh it's 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 fascinating you know? so yeah as, as i said i wouldn't want to highlight one market versus another because i always feel that i'm doing a disservice to to to, to one but uh but I, right. I did give a couple of hints of, of things that i'm i'm seeing we're excited but but maybe it's something that we can see it's definitely i think that's special for me i was very aware of latam and southeast asia also because i've also worked in in both regions in terms of emerging markets and then of course africa is always the the promise of, of of the future but we are also seeing very good examples in in kenya in ethiopia in south africa um and and i think that now what is more exciting is really the this middle east uh region that that is exploding right so i think that in a certain way we are almost seeing what we saw some uh, maybe a decade ago which is southeast asian latin becoming two superpowers in terms of emerging markets now happening in in the Middle East, this, as you have a, a, a global exposure to, to so many markets and so many entrepreneurs, uh, do you feel the same, the kind of uh, interpretation that I'm making? It, it is true. And I think that you do have a, a valid point. I think that there is still a lot to come from from these markets. I mean, for, I, I look at, at LATAM and also LATAM is such a big market. I mean, we, many times we go to LATAM when we're thinking about, about uh, Mexico right. and Brazil, but we also have Argentina, Chile, uh, Colombia, Peru. I mean, there's the reality of Ecuador. And, and one of so, the most successful cases, Mercado Libre, comes from Argentina. Right. And Argentina is a fascinating case. It's a fascinating case for Mercado Libre, but it's a fascinating case for Globant, for Walla, for so many other companies as well, Us Zero. Right. And what's impressive about Argentina, which I've seen in some other countries, but but at the fewer, is that the diversity of sectors. You have these amazing companies that have become successful cases, IPO companies, valuations in the in the in the in the several billions uh, and many unicorns. Um, but they're in very diverse sectors. You have uh, you have uh, cybersecurity, you have banking, you have e-commerce. You mentioned with uh, with Mercado Libre, you have software. So it's diverse sectors 
and they're all coming from that one country because many times you can actually see sectors that are more or less similar or have a relationship within a country and that is maybe not surprising but when you see this diversity of sectors from one same country that's really your your, your jaw drops now and I think it's kind of an effect in the case of Argentina uh, maybe I'm I'm being a little bit uh, uh, um being very courageous to, to 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 give this statement but i but i do that that's why i do a podcast is to also to to exchange and and to challenge each other on different views and and share a fresh air about what we are seeing in the world but it's it's the same effect that we see for instance in like myself i come from a, a small country portugal with 10 million 10 million people so we need to to get abroad as quickly as possible so we are not able to survive in the domestic market or to build a big business it is possible we have we have seen but usually it's not an easy task especially in tech to to build a, a business only the domestic market so you get strong to 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 go out very early in your internationalization process and uh, in a certain way because the argentinian market has always been so challenging that Argentinians needed to have a, a global outlook and from day one start thinking, uh, how do I grow? What is the next market? So and so they needed to, to, to work a lot on their resilience. Uh, in the opposite case, of course, Brazilian is a very um, challenging market as well to build a big business. It's becoming better and better and better. But the, the good thing is that if you are able to do it just in Brazil, you are able to create a, a big player there. Right? For sure, for sure, and and I mean, at the end, no one ever wants a crisis. But in in, in the case of Argentina, the, the constant crisis has been a, a, a <laughs> in disguise, no, because it has exactly. it's forced them to be resilient. It's forced them to think outside. It's forced them, but but it's it's fascinating to see, you know. And you're absolutely right as far with uh, with Brazil as well. I mean, the same thing. I mean, you have such a market size that you could be a, a it, it, you could be incredibly successful just addressing your local market now um and i and i and i feel that there are very few markets in the world in which you could actually make that case now exactly so it, it makes me think also about the, the cases of of small markets and i think that we always have this this point so the, the large domestic markets have a hard time going global uh, because of course they are able to build a very big player in their own markets uh, the smallest economies are able to produce more global players like Israel, uh, Singapore, uh, even even Portugal at, at another scale, Sweden. Uh, and we are seeing also Switzerland, also Denmark, uh, also creating a, a dance in in the universe. And I think that this is one of one of the reasons why there are some some countries that are able to build more global players or less global players. I also like the discussion of in Southeast Asia and both also in, in Latin and in the Middle East and other emerging markets is how do we build big uh, global players, right? So usually the dream is always, I want to be the Southeast Asian leader. I want to be the Latin leader. I want to be the Middle East leader. Uh, or I think that's in, in Europe is an exception now because the majority of the European uh, ventures want to expand into, into the US and the Iberian to go into into Latin, but it's really uh, how do we come back to the um, to, to the roots of entrepreneurship, which which is how do we build a global problem and how do we make it available at a global scale, like like Endeavor is is doing for for instance, uh, even as a a nonprofit. And, and that's what we love. We love to see these com these companies that come from markets that are completely under the radar, you know, and developing. I mean, you see entrepreneurs from Tunisia, you entrepreneurs from Ecuador, and these are or, or, or Lebanon or Jordan. These are Uruguay. Uh, and you see, these are small markets, and you look at them. And, and you were talking about Portugal yourself. And I mean, but you see these small markets in which you don't think that they're, 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 could they could they actually and yes they can and not only that they can do it and they can do it in a very in a very agile way very resourceful with the same exact benefits as they've been in any other major hub and it's it that's the fascinating thing to see these uh these players that are coming from markets that are completely under the radar and that's what and that's what we feel that our role is our role is there to bridge that gap no we're, we're trying to figure out those companies are going to be there. They're going to exist. The entrepreneurs are for sure there. Um, let's figure out a way in which we can actually provide them the support so that they can actually build that global thing and not have to worry about local and domestic hurdles. Right. And, uh, and the grit and, and the anger and also having access. And I'm seeing this 
we know that the pre-seed and angel rounds are much more common, very close to home uh, for obvious reasons, because that's that's all about the entrepreneur. Um, at the time, there is only kind of a PowerPoint or MVP or a vision or a dream and nothing else. And it will iterate and ensure that the pitch that the entrepreneur is making will be super different in one year or in six months or in three months uh, after. So in a certain way, I'm also seeing that angels are coming already from different regions or if, at least dif from different countries and pre-seed rounds as well becoming more regional at least and in, even in some cases already global which I think it's a very healthy sign and this again leveling the play field so in as a Portuguese entrepreneur giving a, 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 again the example I can raise funds in the U.S. Uh, straight away if I'm if I'm building a, a company in the U.S. and I don't need to first build my MVP in Portugal that will not be the market that I will scale then maybe consider Spain to expand or maybe go up to the UK and you would have to have a, some financial muscle to do that movement and then move into the US or for, go from Spain and then move into Mexico uh, or, or Colombia. So there is a lot of steps that entrepreneur needs to make before getting uh, into the main market where the entrepreneur wants to, to scale up. And uh, I think that the pre-seed rounds being more globalized, it is having a multiplier effect at the time. At least I'm, that's what I'm seeing. No, you're, you're, and you're spot on. I mean, it's interesting. When we are mapping our multiplier effects, we normally do them at a, at a local level, no? And we do them either sectorial or national, but it's always local. And the one thing that we've seen is that many of our entrepreneurs, they have broader impact internationally, but we can't we, we can capture that. We haven't been able to historically capture that. We're now going to be capturing that more and more. But it's, uh, it's interesting that it's what you say, that multiplier effect is now happening at more of a regional and global level. It's not happening only at a domestic level. It does happen, of course, at a local level, but it's now starting to happen more and more internationally both regionally and internationally and globally you know um and and that's actually a very it's a, it's a good sign of how you know these ecosystems are so interrelated interconnected right yeah. and even we see the the angels from different countries joining to to fund the venture uh vcs as well and becoming less competitive in between them uh also a lot being more making more alliances to to bet on a certain uh, investment and another side, let's say also that it's good to see that if there is more supply, uh, there is also more competition, which is which is good for for the entrepreneur that is able to to choose a little bit better. As in the past, uh, it was much more the investors choosing the the entrepreneur. Uh, but it's curious to see there is much more demand and much more supply, but still everyone wants the 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 most promising ones. So there is there will always be a fight for. <laughs> For those ones. <laughs> yeah. uh, any final comments or that you'd like to share about the what would look like the next 10 years for Endeavor? How do you see the future of, of the ecosystem before we get into the into the final uh, quick question and answer? No, I mean not really. I mean, as far as as far as the future, obviously we've set up uh, Endeavor Catalyst, which is our self-sustaining fund. So we're we're betting a lot. Uh, on, on that, we're we're positive it's going to work. I mean, it's already been showing that it's it's proving that it that it will. Um, but it's it's still we're still in the early days. I mean, we we launched this first fund barely ten years ago. So and we, we, our most uh, our most successful or meaningful fund to date is the one that we just closed a few months ago. So it's a it's a close to three hundred two hundred ninety two million dollar uh, fund, which we just announced in July. So that's going to be we're going to be starting to see starting to see the results of that in a few years. But that's the future of how we can be self-sustaining. The future of us from a selection perspective is uh, we will still be very strategic about the markets in which we want to we want to expand. As I, as I mentioned, we, we have been expanding in the last few years um, and we're still expanding at a pace of opening one to two markets uh, a year. So we'll still see a bit more of Endeavor. We're, as, as you said at the beginning, we're, we're not yet every, everywhere, but we're trying to, to see where we can actually where we can actually be present where the model makes sense. So the future for us Right now, we feel it looks bright. I think that we can be present in more markets, and I definitely think that uh, the catalyst will have a, a very important say in in how we're going to be self sustaining in years to come. Love it. Love love that vision again. You you helped me to uh, remind myself of that green book from from Peter Drucker. I still 
remember myself uh, close to the pool, reading the book and, and daydreaming <laughs> about my, my future. I would never imagine that I would uh, be leading uh, Skillet Valley in the, in the next uh, 10 years. So let's go into the last segment of the show where I ask you a quick question and you give me a, a brief answer. So let's start with the free self-reflective questions about your life. So if you'd have the opportunity to meet uh, Adrien uh, nine years ago, uh, when you were joining Endeavor and having a coffee with your young Adrian, what advice would you offer to your younger self? Wow, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Um, I guess that, that that the best advice I'd give myself would be what we all know, but, but I think with age, it, it's 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 all about people. It's all about it's all about people. I mean, it's not about oneself. It's not about how you manage. It's not about your ego. It's it's about it's about dealing with people, managing people, inspiring people, and working and connecting with people. So I would I would I would tell my younger self. You know, when you're when you're given responsibilities at the job, it's not because you're a genius. It's not because it's because you're 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 working well with a team. You're knowing how to set up a team. You're knowing how to lead that team. But I would say it's it's down to that. So I I would always go down to just be true to the people part of of the job because that's the one that's the, the, the that's the the simplest part and the most important one. So love it, great point. What are you the most proud of on your journey so far? I mean, what am I most proud of? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very, very proud of my family. So I guess, and that's in my my personal journey, in my work journey, I, I, I am, I'm very proud that I've been able to, to, to do do what I'm doing now, which I do with passion. But I guess essentially also being able to build up my network. But not only building up my network, but being able to build up my network with the purpose of being able to support the people in my network. Is and, and at the end of the day, it's being a being a connector, you know? And I love being able to connect. And I love being able to hear these stories of someone I connected with, someone that gave them a job, and someone I connected with, someone that became a board member, or someone that I connected with, someone that became the co-founder of their company, you know? Uh, and wow. all of these cases are true, are, are real cases that, of, of <laughs> that I've been able to do. And some of them I've been able to do mainly at Endeavor, which allows me to do that. And some of them I've been able to do because I just, I feel that I'm, as Malcolm Gladwell says, I think I'm a natural connector, you know? So uh, that's, that's like, a, if, if that was my magic power, I think would be connecting people, no? So Love it. So you, you are in the right chair, definitely. So uh, multicultural uh, experience and, and being able to connect and, right. and build networks. So uh, well done. Worst advice ever received it? That's a that's a good question. The worst advice I ever received. I mean, the, the typical thing of, of that you you always get advice on on your career and and do what you do what you're passionate about and everything. I mean, it, it is true that you have to do what you're passionate about, but I think you have to learn your way until you until you know what, what that passion is and and where it lies at the intersection of you know what they always say about what you're good at, what you get paid for, and what 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 makes an impact. The no? Yeah, the the famous icky guy. But uh, but the reality is that. When you're being told that at a very young age, I think that it can be very misleading. No, so I, I think that it is true. Correction should be there. Yeah, but I think that that should that, that should be something that you have to gain with experience. I think that there's things that you have to do. You have to go through different boot camps of life. I think that everything that I've done in the past, I do not regret. I mean, working in finance, working in media, working every all of my jobs led me to where I am today. Uh, and 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 maybe if I would have done what I was passionate about on the year one, I might have not gone to the areas in which I which I did. No, um, so I do feel that life is a bit of a of a boot camp. Definitely do things that you like, that you enjoy. But I do think that you will gradually find your passions. No, so when I was very early on, told me being told, do what you're passionate about. It's kind of like well. I still have to learn. I have to learn about myself. I have to learn what, what life is and what passions are. You know? And my, the, myself in the 20s, it, it, when, when that advice was given to me, I think that it was actually lost in, in, in the... In the, in the... <laughs> it, it makes me think of, of that famous sentence from Steve Jobs. You, you are only able to connect the, the dots uh, looking backwards, right? So you need to trust... Uh, that you are on the on the right path and yeah. and definitely if we look into your LinkedIn and into your career and the journey that you said that you just shared it seems that every step of our career was preparing you to to become the president of of Endeavor and I'm sure that we we don't know what will come next and of course being the president of Endeavor will prepare you to do uh, something I would not say even more uh, impactful, but uh, at least equally uh, impactful to, um, to society, right? 
So cool to see that as well. As you said, financial service, then marketing, then economist, etc. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because nowadays you need to be a great public speaker. You need to be able to understand different regions. You need to be able to be a connector. So all you need to be able to build a lot to to lead a large organization, a large team with multicultural uh, aspects. So if you didn't have that experience, you you were not uh, ready to to do what what you are doing today. Another another reflection, right? Is are we always are you at any time ready to do what what is our next challenge? I think that sometimes we also need to go uh, out of our comfort zone, right? <laughs> I think I think that anything that we do that gets us out of our comfort zone is the is the right way to go about things. I mean, if and and you were mentioning looked at my LinkedIn and and it's 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 a bit of all over the place, but it was always finding things that were completely out of my comfort zone. I mean, there might be some similarities to what I did, but it, it's it was always something that was very very different. It was setting up a nonprofit in Spain. It was going to work in communications in a financial services firm when I was doing media. It's doing media when you come. So it was always something that was completely new and 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 always very new and, and very frightening because you're doing something new and you want to prove that you can do it right. You know? uh, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's getting out of your comfort zone. I think what's what this, that's what really, uh, that's what really makes a difference in life. No? And finally, the resources, your favorite book, business, non-business. This is much more a segment to get to know more about our guests. So feel free. I mean, look, the, 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 the tipping point by Malcolm Gladwell, as I just referred, is actually a, a great book just because I feel I didn't find it connected, but it, it's very good at being able to differentiate the different uh, different uh, different people and, 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 and being able to, to tell you more about those, those social interactions and social networks. No? Um, and then obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention there's a book that our founder, uh, Linda Rotenberg, wrote, which is crazy as a compliment. It's also a, a great book because it actually tells you the story about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship and emerging markets. No? So anyone that's interested on that, I would definitely, because it's a fun book, you learn about Endeavor, obviously, but you learn a lot about entrepreneurship, especially entrepreneurship and, and, uh, and emerging markets. Great addition to the resource list. Uh, favorite movie or series? Oof, that's a that's a hard one. I, I, yeah, uh, favorite movie or series? I mean, I, I've always considered myself very much of a, a Star Wars fan, so I, I'd say the Star Wars <laughs> series. And I, I got my kids into that. I know it doesn't sound too it's not it's not not too intellectual, no. But uh, but actually, that doesn't. It, it, it is. I think that the Star Wars movies have a lot of reflection. Uh, they do, and, <laughs> and usually the 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 kids are having fun. And, and adults are thinking about the similarities about the stories that uh, are embedded in Star Wars. So I think, it, yes, it is an intellectual choice. <laughs> and finally, your favorite podcast, excluding this one. No, I'd say, I mean, I'd have to go. I, I several, but the one by excellence would be Masters of Scale. Um, I'm biased because right. we often sits on our board, but I think it's it's a, just a, such an amazing it's the, a the people one. Price and, the, and yeah. The, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great one. And this one, but I can't say this one, so I'll say. I'll <laughs> thank you, Adrian. <laughs> Th thank you so much for making the time, Adrian. It was really a pleasure to to have you on the show. Mike, thanks again. Thanks again for having me. And to our community, we keep bringing you the best of the best to make your life a little bit easier. From zero to one, one to ten, and ten to one hundred. See you soon, and keep scaling. Mm -hmm.